Well, good morning once again to everyone joining us on this Sunday morning, March the 28th. Uh, welcome to our online streaming service. If you're joining us for the first time, we'd like to welcome you. And we are streaming from Gospel Assembly Church in Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. We have had ever so often individuals asking to join the group, and we hope that these services are a blessing to you. Next weekend, we'll be having a communion service on the Sunday. And um, for those of you that have small children that can attend, um, you can do communion. I'll have it set up in such a way that you can do communion at home. Uh, prepare.
please join me in prayer. Father, once again, we thank you for the privilege of prayer that we can come before you, Lord, and bring our needs and bring our requests to thee. Lord, more than anything in my life, I want to make it. And may this be the desire of everyone listening to us this morning and those present in church. May you place within our hearts a desire to be like Jesus, to be living according to your perfect will and your plan. Help us, O oh Lord, in these services that we are having. We ask and that you'll be with us next weekend as we prepare our hearts to partake of the Lord's Supper. Uh, communion, Lord, we ask that you'll be with us. Touch our hearts and help us in Jesus' wonderful name we ask it. Amen and amen. I get to the, someone asked me, are you tired of preaching? You know, sometimes you do get tired of preaching, but you get accustomed to preach. I, I find that I can do nothing less than preach the word of God. I can, I find myself compelled to preach the word of God. And this is important. Uh, Whether individuals obey it or not, I have learned to look at scripture for an example and Jesus becomes the most important example of all time. I look at him and he came to his own, his own received him not, but to as many as received him, the Bible says, to them give he power to become the sons of God. Uh, He was despised of men and rejected, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Quoting the scripture today, simply because it's getting close to Passover, so we want to uh, think about his rejection and his death and his crucifixion. Even though that is important, we're not to this this, uh, weekend nor next weekend are we going to get into a sentimental mode and uh, think about the cross and think about the stations of the cross. Uh, That's not important to us. What the cross did 2,000 years ago, that is important. And he died, like Paul made that statement, he died that he might save us from our sins and deliver us from this present evil world. Uh, It is impossible to defeat this present evil world. And keep that in mind, because it is one of the things that's paramount in my understanding. This present evil world has a a lot that goes with it, and God must help us to be able to defeat this present evil world as it tries to impose in our life. Now, one of the most beautiful things that I thought of not so long ago Jesus is called the author of our salvation. Uh, Paul made a statement concerning that in Hebrews the uh, 12th chapter. Uh, He made a statement like this. He says, looking unto Jesus, uh, in chapter 12 of the book of Hebrews, he says, wherefore seeing we also, verse 1, are compassed about, with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, That is, things that are not necessary but will weigh you down. Lay aside every weight and sin. You've got a favorite sin, then we need to get rid of it in our lives. 
And uh, uh, he says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which that so easily beset us or, or capture us or enslave us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. In other words, Paul is describing this Christian life as a race. And when you're doing a race, you don't want, you don't, you're not thinking of gaining weight physically to run a natural race. Well, you cannot take on weight spiritually and run the spiritual race. Some things are not necessary in a Christian life. Some things are non-essentials that will take your time and choke the Word of God out of your life. In the last service, I mentioned about the four types of soil, and while I preach, I get inspiration. And while I was preaching and thinking of the four types of soil, the best one of those four types of soil was soil number four, the good ground. But the good ground in itself could be undermined if the good ground failed to attend uh, church service. If the, if the good ground, very good ground, failed to find themselves sitting in a sanctuary when the message is going forth, they will not receive the seed. And they will be worse than a thorny ground that is sitting in the church. A thorny ground sitting in the church stands a better chance than a good, good ground that's at home. You comprehendo? All right. Uh, we can move on now. Now, Paul is writing here and he says, looking, verse 2 in Hebrews, he says, looking unto Jesus, the author the author or the leader and finisher of our faith. Now, I, that's all I want. Uh, Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, never wrote a book. Isn't that amazing? The author, the greatest individual that ever walked on this earth, never wrote a book. And you and I, as human beings, we like to get popular and see if we can get famous, if I can produce a book and get a book out there and do this and do that. As I become closer to Jesus and I take on his ways, I don't want to write a book. Oh, I want to write a book about past life and testimonies and things like that so people can benefit from that. I do not want to write a book to gain popularity and fame, a bestseller kind of a thing. Uh, what I would read, what if I were to write a book, it would be worse seller. It wouldn't be bestseller, it would be worse seller, because it would not go with present day society. And because of this, I wonder also why Paul uh, none of his messages, he started a lot of churches. Paul went into Galatia, and he started the churches of Galatia, and I listed them so many times that every child in this assembly should remember them. Uh, he, he, started, he went to Antioch, uh, one of the four churches, someone tell me here, and in the ch church this morning. Antioch, Lystra, Iconium, and Derby, I've got it. You see, he started those churches. He started the church in Colossae. No, he started the church in Philippi, right? Uh, he started the church. Uh, he sort of captured the church in Ephesus. 
He did not start the church in Rome. But when you think of the church at Corinth and the churches of Galatia, we do not have a single message Paul preached when he started those churches. And if we did have those messages, we would have probably polyparroted his messages to see if we can build it. Because today I have before me uh, the New Testament with Paul's epistles, corrective epistles, most of them are, to the churches uh, that he had started and he's trying to salvage the churches. And that is what we today as ministers are using to build our churches. What a, what a weak thought, what a uh, effort in futility, because we are using the bandages that's used to wrap some wounds to build and make healthy our assemblies. And that is why today we need God to help us and we need to follow the scriptures. And I like this song we were singing today. And it talks, um, it talks, I believe, in the old rugged cross. And one of, the, one of the verses of that song says, whatever be the cost. So I'm coming back again to discipleship a little bit here before we move on. In Matthew chapter 16, uh, Jesus talked to his disciples and he made a statement uh, that we are all so familiar with, and I want you to still look at it today. Uh, he said here in Matthew 16 and verse 24 and 25, he said, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Uh, for whosoever will lose his life, uh, will save his life, will lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Now stop and listen to me for a moment. We have quoted this scripture so many times it's become familiar. But when the Lord says, if any man will follow me, let him deny himself. It's because you and I are caught in a world that is contrary to God. Our lives being shapen in iniquity and in sin, our moms conceive us. We were brought up in a society that's Egyptian in its mentality. We're brought up in a society that's uh, sodomish in its mentality. We are brought up in a society that's contrary to God's demands. And the Lord, in order for, to save us, he must save us from what you enjoy doing. Most of what we enjoy in this world, whether it's the fashions of this world, whether it's the entertainment of this world, whether it's the economic uh, development in this world. See, the world's got a lot of things. And uh, there's a lot out here that the Lord must save us from. So when you understand you're captured, you're a prisoner of this world. You and I are prisoners of this world. And discipleship is designed to liberate us from the prison, prison houses that this world offers. Uh, that is why Isaiah said, I'm um, holding my finger in, in Matthew chapter 16, and I'm down here to Isaiah chapter 61, uh, in Isaiah chapter 61. And it says concerning the Lord, it says the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Scripture, 
that Luke quoted in the fourth chapter of Luke's gospel. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And Jesus said this about himself because he has anointed me to preach. Preach what? Uh, what is preaching designed to do? Well, preaching is designed to educate the people. Well, to a certain extent. Uh, preaching is designed to inform you that you're a prisoner, like I'm telling you today. You're a, capture, you're, you're a captive to the economic system of this world. You're a, a captive to the political system of this world. You're a captive to the sinful entertainment of this world. And you can go on. There's so many tentacles that this uh, apostate octopus and this worldly octopus has that has captured God's people. Jesus came, and this is the purpose. The purpose of preaching is not to entertain or to educate. It is to offer liberty and freedom from being captives. We are prisoners. When you come on into the church, whether you were brought up in apostate religion or whatever you were brought up in, whether it's a pagan custom or apostate religion, or you were brought up in some dead system out there, you came on into church as a prisoner. And it is sad that when you come to church, the Lord is offering you deliverance from your spiritual bondage. Sadly, many of us, after a few years, like a dog to its vomit and a pig to its wallowing, we go back to that old system. I've got my finger in Isaiah chapter 60, and I have my finger also in, in, in Matthew. And I'm going back now to the writings of Peter in Second Peter, I think. And this service today is going its own way, uh, not according to any plan of mine. But in Second Peter... I think that's what I want. Peter is writing, and he says here, he says, um, uh, verse 19 in chapter 2, he says, While they promise them liberty, there's his preachers uh, speaking great swelling words. He says, he describes this element of individuals that are in the world that are wells without water. Isn't that what he says? Uh, he backs up here and describes a whole bunch of things that I don't even want to get into. Uh, he says, um, uh, which, uh, let me back up a little, having eyes full of adultery, verse 14, and that cannot cease from sin. That is, when we go out there, there is an element, there's always that element under the influence of the devil that cannot cease from sin. That is why conversion is absolutely necessary in, a, in our effort to be true disciples. Conversion is necessary. Well, I've been in religion long. I don't care how long you've been in religion. If you're not converted, you will always have problems in your spiritual life. You can know the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, but you might not be converted. We need a conversion where the Lord reaches into our lives and save us from our past sins. That's the start. Then conversion is progressive in a process of sanctification. From what? From sin and the world. Jesus died that he might deliver us from this present evil world. You're not just saved to sing choruses and do some jig in church. You're saved to live godly. To love God like you never loved him before. It's a hard thing to find in this day that we are living in. 
People love God when things are smooth only. They don't love God when God has taken them to a trial. And so Peter went on here. He says, and I'm going to skip some areas. He said in verse 17, these are wells without water. You ever saw a well and you went there and you say, there's that well and you're pretending you're drinking, you're getting water, but there's no water. If there's no spirit in the church, it's a well without water. I'm not talking if there's no music. I'm not talking if there's no screaming. I'm not talking if there's no preaching. I'm talking about if there's no genuine working of the Holy Ghost in that church, all it has is the mechanics like Sardis. It had a repetition that it was alive, but it was dead. Without a spirit of God, we are dead in our trespasses and sin. God has given us the spirit. The Old Testament people did not have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but they had a spirit working in their lives. We are given something extra to help us to live for God today. We should take advantage of it. But the devil would have you fake your baptism so you're still back in your sin and, and, and trespasses. If you have not received the genuine conversion and the genuine, genuine baptism of the Holy Ghost, you're still dead in trespasses and sin. Examine yourself. I do. And so Paul, went, uh, Peter went on here. He says, they speak, verse 18, they speak great swelling words of vanity. They, they got big talk. They've got big things. And they maybe have a lot of things to prove. I can tell you how God has blessed us with the amount of money we have in the bank and the kind of cars we drive and the kind of facility we have, the edifices we have built uh, called churches. Uh, we have natural things. But the spirit is dead. The Lord said to Sardis, remember, thou hast a repetition, a name that thou livest, but you are dead. What does God think when he look at you? Are you a true disciple? Are you a fake? Don't let God judge you. You can judge yourself. Here we are today. We are preparing for communion next weekend. But Christ is not the little wine that we're drinking and the little piece of bread. Christ is how we accept him on a daily basis. Follow this lesson today. And uh, Peter went on. He says, verse 19, While they, the preachers, promised them liberty, they themselves are servants of corruption, for of whom a man is overcome, the same as he brought into bondage. Uh, they, preachers, are already held in bondage. And it is hard when you're held in in religious bondage, in apostate bondage, you're already full. God can't penetrate your mind. You see, you're sitting here listening to me today or you're following me online on the internet. If you're already full of yourself and full of apostasy and full of your own ideologies, you would not want a single word I say. But I preach the truth. And if you submit yourself to the truth, you will be free. From your spiritual bondage. But if you're full. Enjoy your being full. With corruption. If you're full. And you're all loaded with information up there. You'll find it very hard. And that is why God. In order to have men raised for the ministry. He had to process them. Empty, empty them out. Of what they had. In order to fill them back. Uh, whether it's Paul or Moses or David. 
All of these men have a process, and God still works on that process to save individuals in our day. And how here it goes on. Paul says, Peter said, while they promised them liberty, they themselves are servants of corruption. You see, today we might not have a preacher uh, promi promising us liberty. The government might promise you liberty. Uh, medical science might promise you liberty. Someone out there in the commercial world might promise you liberty. But they themselves are in bondage for a child of God. The only liberty we'll have is in Christ. It goes on here, he says, <clears throat> for a, a verse 20. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world. Now this is where you and I ought to examine ourselves. I remember coming into this fellowship years ago. When I was a young man, I accepted Jesus as my Savior, 12 years old. And um, uh, there were things I knew were wrong things, things that I should not do, things that I can do, things that I would sneak around and try to do, things that were sinful and things that were not so sinful. I like to do the things that were not so sinful. Occasionally fall into something that's sinful. He didn't want anyone to know, but God knows. And God's process of saving me demanded denial of self and denial of things that I love to do and the things I want to do. And when I came on in, and many of us will find this, we come on in and praise God, 1975, I found a fellowship. Uh, we didn't have televisions in the home. Did not have televisions in the home. But your old carnal nature is waiting for you to get into a hotel where there is a television. And then you turn up to the service. You mean during the convention. <clears throat> the Friday night after convention is finished in Des Moines. You go to your hotel if you're staying in one. And you bust the television all night. Most of the night. So when you come back next day, your eyes are red, not from praying all night, but from watching TV all night. Never see, come to see. You're there. The old carnal nature uh, was reformed, but not transformed. I put the white shirt on, but the heart was dark with sin. What we need is denial when you're in church, denial when you're out of church. Denial in your private life. We need to deny every one of us. The, the devil will try his best to enslave you. We are already enslaved before Jesus offers us salvation. We are to free ourselves. So here God is freeing you and you're free from that. But what happens? You find that there's this desire to go back in. This is where temptation comes. The devil can never force you. You do whatever you feel pleased to do. He creates a little opportunity in the circumstances. He'll make the circumstances of such that you will be able to follow his path. Amen. I, I, when I'm home, I remember the early days. I'm trying to serve the Lord. I'm just a preacher here in Mississauga, in Toronto. It was at that time. And I'll get up on Wednesday of all days. That's when snow is going to fall. Wednesday of all days, that's when I get a migraine. Wednesday of all days, that's when things are going contrary. And I've learned to defeat that feeling. And I've learned as an example to this church that sickness does not keep me from fulfilling my responsibility 
as a pastor and I preach the gospel. Amen. And I've been doing fine. See the throat? I've got problems with my throat preaching for so many years. But in spite of coughing, I still preach the gospel. I try my best to please God, not to submit to the desires of my flesh and the feelings I cherish in my body. My body is the temple of God. And if the devil attacks it, I must bring it in submission to God and the word of God. Otherwise, forever I'll be a slave. Every Wednesday, snow will fall. Every Wednesday, I'll have a headache. On the weekend, I'll have all kinds of reason. Cousin Mary is going to come and visit me 10 minutes before church start. I can tell you what. If my cousin Mary comes to see me 10 minutes before church start and she can't come to church, I'm not staying home with her. It's a policy that I've developed. doesn't make me some great giant, but it's a thing that I've developed to serve God. As for me and my house, David said, we will serve the Lord. And Paul, uh, Peter went on here. He says, for uh, verse 20, for if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus and Savior, uh, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome by the world. Well, the world is not some ugly guy standing out there. The world can only play in your carnal desires. The world, I look at the world and think it's a beautiful thing sometimes. No, that which the world offers you, that which the beast offers you, that which gets you busy and occupied, that God is on a back burner in your life. That's not discipleship. That's called convenient Christianity. Discipleship is no matter what the cost. Isn't that what the song says? No matter what the cost, I will serve the Lord. Though he slay, slay me, <clears throat> yet will I praise him and I serve him. That's the determination we should have in our hearts. And it went on here. It says <clears throat> there, I'll read that again. Beautiful verse. I'm trying to keep my time here. If after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge, they become acquainted with the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That I want to become like Jesus. As I become, endeavor to become like Jesus, there's a path. And when I'm finished this, I want us to go into Philippians, the third chapter. Uh, Peter writes, he says, they are again entangled therein and overcome by their carnal desires and worldly pleasures. It says the latter end, they become worse than before they got converted in the first place. They're worse than when they, uh, than with them, than in the, than the beginning. He says, for it had been better for them not to have come to church, not to have accepted Christ, not to have decided to be a part of the church, than become a part and then sit there and backslide when you're not in church. Amen. Amen. That is absolutely what Peter is saying. He says, it would have been better for them not to have been a Christian but after they have known it, they turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them, like I'm doing here today, 
and, but it happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her own, to her wallowing in the mire or the mud. And that is why here in Philippians, the third chapter, remember all the scriptures I'm getting to. Uh, we still have Matthew and Isaiah. And uh, uh, Philippians, the third chapter, Paul made this statement after he declared who he was. He said in verse 10, that I might know him. Do you know Jesus? Well, yes, 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 I know Jesus. Now, I mean, can he say, I know you? Or would he say, I never knew you? Have you had an experience with him? Are you having a relationship, a personal relationship with Christ? Where you talk to the Lord Jesus. You're not talking at, you're not praying at the Lord Jesus. But you can communicate with him and he can put his spirit in your life. And you can be a genuine Christian, whether Brother Singh is here or he's dead, you can still serve God, pleasing God, not your carnal desires. You might not be a natural fornicator or a natural drunkard or a natural idolater, you know, like you go out there and do funny things. But you can be involved in spiritual fornication. You can be involved in spiritual idolatry. And backsliding is a gradual process. It starts slow and then take, defeats you before it's all over. See, God is a jealous God. And he said, thou shalt have no other gods before me. What's your God? How many gods you've got? How many things take the place of God in your life? And when I say that, I involve church attendance. Was COVID a blessing to you so you can stay home? If it was, you're backsliding. Thank you, sister. That's true. And whether you're listening to me to this message 1,000 miles away or 4,000 miles away, I received a beautiful call from a brother all the way from India. Spent about an hour telling me all the messages that I preached and how it has impacted his life. And his family. One hour talking to me on the phone telling me. And I wish when he hung up. I said I wish somebody locally will tell me. For one ten minutes. How the message has impacted their life. But a prophet is not without honor. Except among his own people. Are you listening to me? What you do would not change my commitment. Your lack of commitment and dedication does not change my vision. And my vision is not diminishing on a daily basis. It's increasing on a daily basis. Demands for discipleship and Christ established in my life is on an increase on a daily basis. And Paul says that I may know him, have a personal relationship with him... And when I get this relationship and the power of his resurrection, he touches me. This power of his resurrection here is the power of resurrecting me. Remember Jesus said, the hour cometh and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of Man and they that hear it shall live. That statement is talking about the spiritual dead. 
The hour is coming and now is when the spiritual dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and shall be resurrected from the dormant and dead condition. He says, and the hour will come when they that are in the graves will hear his voice. That's a natural resurrection, but you must experience, first of all, a spiritual resurrection. Are you resurrected or are you a spiritual zombie? See, the church at Ephesus was a great church, but they slowly backslid into the place that Paul says, come on, come on, come on, awake from the dead. Awake thou sleepest and arise from the dead. Paul said that. Because a beautiful church like Ephesus, the same story. You see, after one year, two years, ten years, serving God, 15, 20 years, you feel like God owes you a million things. Listen, the process must be done, and it, time does not affect God. God is there. It's just like a wink in a moment. It's we that has the process. Nebuchadnezzar did not have to wait seven years before he could lift up his eyes. He could have done that from day one. But the process is necessary for us sometimes to serve the Lord, sometimes for us to get cold. Sometimes God will want to revive us. And Paul says that I might know him. And the power of his resurrection that touches me. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. And when I start receiving that conversion. The power of his resurrection transforms my mind. The world does not appeal unto me anymore. Sin does not appeal unto me anymore. Evil does not appeal unto me anymore. Worldly entertainment does not appeal unto me anymore. As a matter of fact. I sit down and watch a worldly entertainment. And I get convicted. Worldly fashions is not appealing unto me anymore. Godliness has an appeal. Because I pursue after Christ and his holiness. That I might know him and the power of his resurrection. And then the fellowship of his suffering being made confirmable unto his death. Being made confirmable unto his death. What are you talking, Paul? I talk when I accept Jesus. When I accept Jesus, I've got Oh, you know, a wonderful life. Listen, the suffering in this life. First of all, the resurrection, spiritual resurrection that I received. Then the fellowship of his suffering being made confirmable unto his death. That I might attain unto the resurrection, the literal resurrection. He said here in verse 11, if by any means that I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. That's the physical one. The spiritual one precedes the physical one. Over in 2 Corinthians, the uh, sixth chapter, Paul is writing again. I love this man, and I love how the Lord can give us a lesson that uh, we did not plan to receive. But here in 2 Corinthians 11, sixth chapter of 2 Corinthians, Paul is telling you, and this part is towards those of our, that are involved in the work of God. Those that are part of the staff of the church. Those that are more than members. But it can also include the members. But Paul says as ministers. He says we then as workers together with him. Beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. I am here today telling everyone that's listening to me. Whether on the internet or whoever. Whether you're a preacher or you're a saint. Whether you've been preaching for many years. Whether you have five people or five thousand people in your congregation. This message is for every one of us. A brother saying what degree you got. GD. 
I never heard of that. When you come downstairs into my office, I'll show you. It's on my desk. It says GD. He that uses the office of a deacon well purchased to himself a good degree. And great boldness in the faith. That's the only degree I want. I had any other degree, I'd flush it. If I had a master's degree or a, the- or a theological degree, I'd flush it. And sometimes the sewage system might be plugged, spiritually speaking. And Paul says, he says, um, we should not receive the grace of God in vain. Not because you get, he's not breaking your foot. You're going to keep on doing the things you are. If he loves you, he'll get you. If he loves you, he'll get you. God is not in a rush. 1,000 years is like a snap of his finger. The process must be done. My friends, I'm warning you. I'm admonishing you. Paul says, I'm besieging you. Don't get the grace of God in vain. And he goes on, he says, For he said, I've, I've heard of thee in time past accepted in the day of salvation. Have I succored thee, etc., etc.? He said in verse 3, giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. As a minister, the devil would like to cast you to the ground. He'd like to defeat you. If you're a minister or you're an elder, he'd like to defeat you. Did he catch you this week? Or do you work with him to get your accomplishment done? Giving no offense in anything. That the ministry be not blamed. But in all things. How many things? In all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God. I say I'm a minister. I must carry myself a certain way with a certain dignity. I'm a minister of God. When it comes to dedication to the work of God and the church. I must carry myself with dignity in spite of who stand with me or who doesn't, who would not stand with me. And when you're looking for a man to become a minister, these are the things you must look because God must process this man. What must he have? Let's read on. He says, but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God. How? In much patience. What works patience? Say it out. Tribulation, in much patience, in afflictions. There is an S. Not just an affliction. No, in afflictions. You're a minister? Yes. This is how God makes a man. This is how gold is purged with fire. He says, in necessities, I want things that I can't afford to buy. Today I've got Brother Emmanuel sitting in the back in the overflow. And I've got something in my pocket. Let me see where is it is in my Bible. It's called a love offering. Because we posted something to get us, give us a love offering that we can put it together. And send some money for his people in Pakistan to have a little dinner or a get together like we did last year. He has about 150 people in a little church. Wouldn't that be nice if we can help somebody? If they turn against us tomorrow, are we sorry we help? No, I do this for me. We do it for us, that we might grow. God gave his only begotten son to save the world. Did the world accept him? No. Did God get in a corner and cry? No. He did a job. We've got to do our job. It helps us in our development. 
Do I have needs? Yes. Can I use this? Yes. But I feel we need to give him some money to send to his people in Pakistan because he does not, he does not, he does not have the economic strength to do that. I'll be glad if we can do that. And Paul went on. He says, I love this Bible. I love the book. I love the book. It says, uh, in necessities, in distresses. Oh, God. You know, I've got another distress. Someone says, you know, I told someone that they said, your work demands a lot of stress. I said, well, I'll tell you what. I've been preaching for over 50 years. And if one week there is no stress, I stress that there is no stress. Did the devil depart from me for a season? No. Stress is in everything. And sometimes you're disappointed a little bit. Sometimes, listen, I, ex I anticipate the best from those around me, but I'm prepared for the worst. Like I have my daughter sitting here. I anticipate the best, and you could not have been as faithful in the Nadine as over the years, staying with a dad that's uh, sometimes ridiculous uh, in his demands. But if tomorrow she sells me out, I'll be disappointed, but not surprised. Because we can be disappointed with individuals that we have confidence in. So as a pastor, I cannot afford to put my, all my confidence in people. I put a certain degree of confidence, but my confidence is in God. And when I see him in your life, that's the confidence I have. When I see backsliding in your life, it, it diminish, diminishes the confidence. My confidence is in you based on when I see Christ in your life. Commitment and dedication, sacrifice and discipleship. When I don't see that, don't have a dime's worth of confidence. Follow me? You do the same for me. And he went on here, he says, in stripes. Not only distresses, but I'm going to run through here. In stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors. Come on, Paul, stop. He says, no, in watchings, in fastings. By pureness, on the other hand, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love that is not a fake love. He says, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left. What a way to go. Here is what qualifies a man, not a piece of paper hanging on a wall that you get from apostate religion. This is what qualifies a man. He says, by honor and dishonor. Not because you're guilty, but somebody wants to judge you. He says, by evil report and somebody make up a story against you. A good report and evil report as deceivers and yet true as unknown and yet well known as dying. Praise God. You see, I must die to the flesh that I might live unto the Lord Jesus. Isn't this a beautiful scripture? Amen. As dying, and behold, we live. You got to die to the world. You got to die to this carnal man. You got to die to what the flesh wants and start submit yourself to God. He says, as dying, as he says, as, as uh, dying, and behold, we live. As chastened, God whips me because he loves me. 
uh, he, 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 the one, the branch that beareth fruit, he purged it that it might bring forth more fruit. And God might be purging you and say, oh God, I don't know why is happening to me. <laughs> I like when I do that funny stuff. It doesn't sound so good when I'm listening to the tape back, but, but it, it is, you're crying, you're moaning. Why is God doing this? God is an idiot? No. He's well, well, he, well, he is well acquainted with what he's doing in your life. Trying to get you to love him some more. Take away all that Job had that he might become a better man when it's all over. And he goes on here, he says, Unknown and yet well known as dying and bold we live, as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor, not having a lot of money, yet making somebody smile because you give them something. He says, as poor and yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing all things. My God, what a way to go. What an attitude to have. I got five minutes and I've got two scriptures. So one, I'm going to quote. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Let him take up his cross and follow me. But Christ came that he might deliver us from this present evil world. You need a conversion. And then you need a life of discipleship that follows that. In order for you to defeat the enemy in the midst of the evil world. And so here in Isaiah, the uh, 60th chapter, was it? 61st chapter of Isaiah. Let me finish this off here because this is why Jesus came. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me uh, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. Uh, he says, of good tidings to the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. That's our job. To bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty. Now listen to me. To proclaim liberty. My friend, we are captives. We are captives. Can anyone tell me you're not a captive? You're captive to all kinds of stuff. Some bad stuff and some not so bad stuff. Some things that's weight. You understand? Some things that's not sinful but weight. We're captive. You know, listen, natural addiction is bad, but spiritual addiction is worse. May God help us. He came to deliver captives. This gospel I preach is meant to deliver captives. But I'm not a captive. How say we are on bondage? Isn't that what the Jews said? You see, the more knowledge they had is the more they argue with Jesus. We're not in bondage. How can the truth set us free? And you might be listening to me 1,000 miles away. And you might be saying the same thing. Well, I'll tell you something very sweet and very humble. Blind people don't see. Let me continue on now. It says, good tidings to the meek to, set, uh, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and opening your prison house to them that are bound and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The rest we can think of later on. But right now, Jesus is here to set the captives free. Are you enslaved? There Are there things in your life that hold you in bondage? You might be walking. You might be wealthy. You might have everything that the world offers. But you might be subject to the drives and demands of the world. You might be spiritual captive. I want to tell you something right now. You can ask God to set you free when we pray. Right now you can say, Lord, I am a captive. 
When I look around their walls that hold me up uh, to ungodly movies. Lord, I am prisoner to worldly fashion. Lord, I'm a prisoner to what family and ungodly relatives say. Help me, Lord, to be a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, I'm a prisoner of the Lord Jesus. Paul was free from the prison houses of the Pharisee and the Sadducee. And whatever was back there, he got freed from that. And then he became a prisoner and a bond slave to the Lord Jesus. May the Lord help me to become a bond slave. And may God set us free from spiritual prison houses. Amen. Let's pray. Father, once again, we thank you for this day you have given us to be in your house. We thank you, Father, that you can bring us face to face with the reality of our present condition. As we get ready, Lord, to prepare for the Lord's Supper and for communion, Lord, next week, help us, O Lord, that we might bring our lives in submission to your ways. Lord, free us from spiritual captivity. Free us from the captivity of self-righteousness. Free us, O God, from the captivity of self-pity. O Father, free us from everything that will enslave us. Whether it's a physical or spiritual bondage, we pray, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus, that you will set captives free today, Father. In Jesus' wonderful name, I pray. And we pray, O God, you'll help us. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen.